0: Females, you know, we have a harder time sometimes, you know, saying what we feel, Um, but you have to trust. And if you build that trust, then I think you can. And so I think that being able to come out of your shell, come out of your comfort zone and say something that you really feel instead of keeping it inside and letting it fester and not, not do something about it. I think that's where you can get your teams to be the best.
1: Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I am so excited to bring to you a spectacular guest that my sister Christina was incredibly lucky to play under. Christina played for two outstanding Hall of Fame coaches, and Coach Donna Papa, who is our guest today, was the very first. Christina played at the University of North Carolina for five seasons and loved every single minute. Playing under Coach P. Chapel Hill is a special place, and Coach P is one of the main reasons why. I just had to have Coach P on because every time I would come to Chapel Hill to watch Christina play, I felt this incredibly warm welcome every single time. It's a true art to make a culture that's special. This was such a fun and enlightening conversation that I'm actually splitting it into two. So this week, we'll be highlighting her Hall of Fame coaching career what made her a great coach, what she's learned as a coach and wants to share with you. And then next week, we're going to be talking all about outfield and a little bit of base running, which are two of her favorite parts of the entire game. In Coach P's 38-year tenure as the head coach of UNC, she was a five-time ACC Coach of the Year, led her teams to five regular season ACC titles, appeared in 15 NCAA regionals, has one ACC tournament title, was inducted into the NFCA Hall of Fame in 2012, and is ranked seventh in wins in the history of the game. In this conversation, you will find what's keeping her busy post-retirement. She retired last year, and she's got some new passions we're going to learn about. Where her itch for coaching started and how her unique journey was to get to UNC. Tips that she would give new coaches just starting out. The key to building a great culture throughout the years – and one that many of her alumni can't wait to come back to and visit. Ways to keep athletes engaged and focused on team goals and personal goals. The commonalities she's seen from the best leaders and the best teams that she's ever coached. How she was able to adapt to the evolution of the game over time, and what kept her excited to go to work every single day, and so much more, of course. Coaching is an absolute art, and Coach P loved being as great as she possibly could be at her craft for her players and her staffs. I learned so much in what feels like a short time with her today, and I know you will too. Let's dive into this incredible conversation with Hall of Famer Coach Donna Papa. I am thrilled to have one of my favorite coaches in the game coached my sister, and kind of jealous that I didn't play under you, Coach P, but so grateful to have you here on the podcast. Welcome.
0: Uh, thank you so much. Um, when you asked me to do it and I saw the title of it, When the Cleats Come off," um, I know mine came off a long time ago as far as as a player Um, but the coaching part and knowing you and knowing Christina and knowing your family, um, I was excited to do it and, uh, like listened to some of the podcasts and they've been great. So, um, great work with what you're doing for the game.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And ironically, Christina was working for me as an intern when I started the podcast and she was the inspiration behind the name when the cleats come off. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So of course we're going to talk a little bit about Christina because she got to play under you. Um, but before we do that, I need to ask how's retirement life. How's it treating you? I know you're into pickleball. That's exciting. Yeah. pickleball. It's a weird, weird turnaround for you though. It is a weird
0: turnaround. Um, you know, first of all, I haven't, uh, started off with being around players, being at the university. So that's a big adjustment. Um, because I think you know, for me anyways, um, the highlight of my day always was my office was right when you came in the lobby and I the girls would come by and they, you know, shoot a wave or they'd come into the office. Hey, Coach P, how's your day going? And they just gave me so much energy. And you can't replicate that when you're retired, no matter what you do. Um, you don't get that energy of and that vibe of those players coming in and then knowing you're going to get to work with them in an hour or whatever on the field, working on their passion, my passion. And so that part is missing. And I think the other part um, is when you watch the game. And as a coach, when you're in it, and you you know this, playing and, and coaching, that feeling of that competitiveness on the field and those moments, you, again, you can't replicate those. So those are two things that I really am missing right now. Uh, those relationships and that um, that vibe and that juice that you get from, from competing, um, but I'm trying to keep it alive with pickleball. And um, you know, I'm not going on the the tour, or the circuit, or anything like that. But it's a a, a way for me to meet more people and um, a way to stay competitive and stay active. Uh, I love to bike. I bike the Tobacco Trail here. It's awesome, and I have a um, Nordic track, which is like a Peloton bike. So, trying to keep myself going, and I'm doing uh, mentoring for the NFCA. I'm mentoring three younger coaches, which I love, and you know, it's it's great to to keep my mind active that way with the game, and and try to hopefully help. Um, some younger coaches, you know, with something that I didn't really have when I was coming through, I guess, the ranks as a, you know, as a young coach. So I'm excited to be able to give back and help them in any way I can, you know, grow the game.
1: That's so awesome. I was about to ask, you know, I know you're still involved with NFCA and how cool that you get to mentor, you know, newer coaches in the game and kind of tell them what to do, what not to do. I'm curious What are some of the, the things that you're teaching? Like, Hey, don't do this. You know, like I, I tried this. It didn't work. Can you think of any of those?
0: Well, you know, the way that we're doing it, so we're three weeks in, um, so there's three coaches and what we decided was it would be best if say, you know, one coach who, who's going to be, who is in a group talks about or asks about the things that they want to talk about. So, ahead of time so we can be prepared. Um, and last week we talked about how do you build a lineup. I think it's great because there's all different ways now with, you know, you could go by, well, you know, this person does a great job in practice doing this and so on, but then lot, there's so much with analytics and statistical, you know, and, whatever, and then you can feed it into something that can pump out the lineup for all different lineups. Um, and then, um, how you build an aggressive hitter. And so then next, the next time we meet, which will be next week, it's going to be another coach's turn. And so they present what they want to talk about and learn. Cause I don't, I'm considered like the pinnacle coach at it, just, you know, my experience and all that. But, um, I don't want to run it in the respect that I want it to be collective and collaborative. And so I want them to get. What they need to get out of it, and so um, we all agreed that it would be best if everybody kind of said, "Hey, these are the things I want to know about," and then it leads to other things. I, so I haven't told them, "Don't do this or don't do that" yet. <laughs> so we're we're only a few weeks in; we don't know each other well enough yet, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You gotta build the trust muscle first right. and then we can dive into the vulnerability. Yeah, yes, I'm excited about it. They're all, you know, great
0: people and I'm excited. I'm gonna go to the convention because it's the fortieth year. And then, you know, Lonnie is being inducted, Carol is being inducted, and um I, you know, definitely supportive of the Hall of Fame and um they're very deserving and I wanna be able to meet the three in person. I, I know one of them already, but I'd like to meet all of them in person and I think it'll be kind of fun
1: to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be such a fun convention. Mm -hmm. I will see you down there, but it's, it'll be good to kind of be around the game again. And I'm glad you're still in it Mm -hmm. because the game still needs you. you. There's a lot of coaches listening and I'm sure they would love to know how you got to where you got to. Um, You were at UN. everybody sees you as the UNC coach, but you know, there was a little bit more of that journey, including one year coaching college volleyball. I I found on you. Yeah,
0: actually. Um, so I, um, my first opportunities in softball, I mean, going way back, you know, I worked in the park department and, you know, they had a team. And so I helped coach that. Um, but in terms of college, um, when I was in college, um, I knew that I wanted to coach and I went to the university of Connecticut and I played there. And um, our field hockey coach was our assistant coach and she won national championships. She was winning national championships at the time. And now Carolina wins a lot of them in field hockey. But I asked her, I said, Hey, you know, I want to coach college. What's my best path. Do I go high school to college or try to go right into college? She said, you'll get lost in the high school game and it's going to be a hard path to get there. So try college. Well, I worked camps and I worked this one camp at Fairfield University and one of the people that was working it also, it was like a four star camp so they had gymnastics, they had softball, they had basketball and one other sport, it might've been soccer or or something like that. And so I wound up meeting um, the woman that was going to be, she was the assistant basketball coach at St. John's University in New York. And she was also the pitcher, had been the pitcher for Southern Connecticut State College. And I was at UConn. We faced each other. And she said, you know, I need an assistant. And she was going to be tied up with basketball. Literally, it happened where she was usually tied up with basketball till the week before the season. So it was the first year they had a team at St. John's University in Queens, New York. And uh, I wound up uh, coaching with her for a couple of years as an assistant. Then I got a um, D3 job. I was head volleyball, head softball. You can believe it. I was cheerleading advisor. That was part of it. Um, Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) That one was really something for me. Um, And then uh, I was in charge of intramurals. It was my first full time job. And, um, you know, I got benefits, you know, big salary of like $17,000. And um, I was also in charge of recruiting. I mean, you name it. And I did it, but I I love that opportunity to coach at D3 because, you know, those kids weren't there on scholarship. A lot of them were dual sports, you know, so I got a lot of the field hockey players that played softball, the volleyball players played softball, some of the basketball players, they would come in late, but, you know, I got a really great opportunity to do like my thing, I guess, you know, my way and, and so it, it was a great opportunity as a young coach. And um one of the players that had been at Susquehanna, she transferred to UNC Greensboro. And she called me up one day and said, hey, they're looking for a head coach at UNC. I can give you the numbers of the people that you need to call. So I made a couple of calls and um, I got an interview and I came down. I was 28. Um, They offered me... <laughs> I don't know if I I should say what they offered me, but anyways, I negotiated for a couple of thousand dollars more, uh, no benefits part-time. A lot of the coaches at Carolina at the time were part-time, um, only Mm -hmm. basketball, football, you know, were full-time. And then a a few years later, we all got to be full-time. So when I was doing that, I also, um, taught in the PE department. I taught weight training, um, strength conditioning. And so, you know, you did what you had to do to get by. But, um, you know, things obviously have changed a lot. 1985, when I got to Carolina, till now. And, um, but it was, you know, it, it, it's been a, a journey for sure. But um, I've loved, you know, every minute of the opportunity and the journey that I've had at Carolina. And yeah, I've told everybody I got to live my passion and I never really went to work. I never had a job per se, um, because it, it's just something that is inside you. And I've always had a passion for sport. My dad was a coach, um, before I was born. He, you know, he coached football, basketball, baseball. And he actually kind of discouraged me from being a physical education major, which I was in college because as a man at the time, it was a tough way to make a living for a family. But You know, my first two years I was in, um, I wanted to be an interior designer. And, well, I don't know that I wanted to be, I tried to be one. (laughs) I thought I wanted to be one, but I really, in my heart of hearts, wanted to be a coach. And I finally called my dad one day and I said, Dad, you know, I really, really want to coach. I just, I love sport. I love everything with it. He said, then just go for it. You know, you're probably not going to make any money but go for it. If that's in your heart, do it. And I I didn't care about making money to be honest. It wasn't
1: about ever about money for me. Mm, that's what makes you special because when you're after the money like you kind of lose the passion for it. But I know, you know, coming from my sister and the players you got to coach is you came to work excited every single day, no matter what. And I think that just comes down to the fact that you wanted it. It is time for another listener shout out. Barrett's here, so he might help us with this shout out. You going to help? So this one is from LZ Fiverr, and it is called So Much Beneficial Information. They said, my daughter has big dreams, and I can't even tell you how, but I came across this podcast, but I started it from the beginning, and I have learned so much as a parent. I am almost caught up, and it's only been a few months wow that is a lot of listening to the podcast and i am honored that i am in your ears as often as i am i have built this podcast for you especially because we've all been there we've all tried to find resources to help us become better coaches better parents and a lot of you athletes that are listening there's so much you can learn from this too so thank you so much for this amazing review LZ Fiverr. I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but it means the absolute world that you left this review. And for any of you that want to help make this podcast grow for free, please write me a review and tell me what you really think. Tell me what episodes you love most so I can keep sharing episodes like this one for you. Thanks again so much. And let's get back to the show. I love that your dad coached. Is there anything, you know, when you were younger that, is that what led you, inspired you to kind of want to do it? Or what were those, some of those things that your dad maybe helped with in regards to wanting to be a great coach?
0: Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we watched a lot of sport together. He, he, you know, I lived in Connecticut. I grew up in Connecticut. So, you know, hopefully I won't have a lot of haters, but grew up a Yankees fan and a New York Giants fan And um, we used to go to the Yankees games and my dad took us to the clubhouse and, you know, he just um, kept us around sports, but he never forced it, you know, never put it down our throats. I know I grew up um, always playing baseball with my cousins, you know, we would just, you know, free play and Mm -hmm. I think that's the best, honestly. Um, And I would play. I was the only girl. Playing baseball with all the boys. Um, interesting fact though, too. Joan Joyce is from my hometown. Um, so I knew the Joyce's, um, you know, she was older than me, but, uh, um, she was a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. And I got to watch the breakheads too growing up and then, um, played against them when I played in women's major and, and all of that. But my dad, um, you know, he never, he never pushed it on me or my brother. We both. You know, he my brother played baseball, he played modified fast pitch, all of that. But you know, he just he was supportive of whatever we were gonna do. And and he had you know, he had a lot of um experience, you know, coaching at the high school level and in a lot of sports. He was a football player, all city football player, and but I think it was just that he allowed us to do it the way we wanted to, and he was just supportive. And my mom you know, my mom was somebody that would be in the stands cheering for both teams. You know, she I was like, mom, please just cheer for, you know, cheer for us. But she, she cheered for both, but, um, so they were great, you know, in that respect.
1: Amazing. So take me back to some of those first few years as a head coach, because I know it can be terrifying and scary and, you know, maybe you made more bad decisions than good at that point. I don't know. It's all feels like trial and error, for any coaches that are kind of new to it that, you know, need some tips or encouragement, what do you, what could you say for them? Yeah. I
0: think, you know, when you're younger and at the time, you know, you, you think so much about winning, you know, like winning is, is the be all and end all and it's not in the way that I think if it's great, you know, don't get me wrong. A lot of jobs, you know, hinge on it. But I think you're going to win a lot more when you invest in the people that are with you and around you and you have got to invest in building relationships and the relationship piece. If, if you know that person better than like, I've never really looked at somebody as, Oh, you know, Christina Burkhart, she was a great center fielder. She was, she was a great outfielder, great hitter, great base runner, but she was a great person. And I wanted to know more about Christina as a person And, you know, every player is different and they all are important and, and how they feel and how you make them feel is important, you know, and they're going through like they're 18 to 21. They're like finding themselves and, you know, some of them have freedom for the first time and some of them just don't know what they want. And, and the thing is, you've got to know them to be able to get the most from them too and know what they want and know what their goals are and to me like knowing them more past just the you know being on the field that was really important to me and that's where i focused as i got you know a little bit more mature myself um that's where i i learned um that that is really really important is building all of those relationships and i think most coaches will tell you um, and and whether sometimes you're successful or not, you could have the greatest relationship with your team. Maybe you don't win that year and it's going to happen. But, you know, I, I would, I want them to know, and I, I feel like, you know, I've gotten some of that feedback just from retiring, you know, people reach out and say things, but, knowing that you made an impact on their lives and and Matt Brown at UNC had said this, you know, when they come even to college, it's not a four-year commitment, it's a 40-year. And so I still keep in touch with our alums, as many of them as I can in all different ways. I'll help them in any way, anytime, you know, whatever they need. I don't, you know, judge who they, you know, who they are. I, I want them to be the best. I want to help make them the best. But I investing in them, that is to me number one. You have got to invest in people. If and you're in a people business, really, if you want to look at it like that.
1: Totally. And I think I saw, you know, pictures from the alumni weekend Uh this fall and it looked like a blast. Uh And there were so many, I feel like from every generation of player through UNC, that's just a testament to them feeling loved and wanting to go back to the school that they loved. I think so. This question actually came from Christina. Oh boy! I'm excited to ask it. She said, "How were you able to invest so many years into the program and its players?" So I feel like this is a nice little segue.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I feel like you know I was just started in you know I was 28 and then now it's like 38 years later and I sometimes I'm like, where did it go? Because (laughs) you know every year is is different and you have a different group of people and so you you work with that group and you try to get the most out of them and you hope that you achieve you know good things and you know we had some regular season championships we had you know uh ACC championship we went to about I think 15 regionals you know we we did some good things we've had all Americans but Every year is a new challenge. I always look at it like a pie, you know, and you, you have all these pieces of your pie and how are you going to put them together so that they, they all make one and make the best one that you can make. And and so I, I think that I just never, I never lost, I always wanted to achieve and I'm a perfectionist um, and I was never satisfied. I was never satisfied with myself, not not with putting that on the girls, but I always thought I could do better. And how could I be better? And I never, I was constant learner. I always feel like that's so important. Like, it doesn't matter, like, if you've been coaching for five years or 25 years. Like, you should still be going to conventions. You should still be learning. You pick people's brains. You know, I've called Karen Weekly to talk about slapping and and kind of learn, you know, more about that. I went, during COVID, I went to LSU had a camp you know, on uh, Zoom and I went to it, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to their camp because it's about slapping. And um, and I wanted to be the best slapping coach that I could be and give everybody my best. Or if it was about outfield, like I want to give it my best. And um, the girls deserve that. They have a four-year window. And so they deserve to have that investment from me. And I was willing to give it whatever I had. Was I perfect all the time? Probably not. But I think I got to be a better coach um, as you know as I uh, got a little bit older and learned from so many different people. And I I was a constant reader, you know, loved reading things. And and we had Jeff Jansen work with our um, our leadership program for uh, quite a while, and now he's back at UNC. And you know I was surrounded by coaches like an Dorrance. A Karen Shelton, a Jenny Lee, like all these national championship coaches that are your peers that you get to watch, observe, pick their brain, learn from. And so when you want, when you're somebody that loves to learn and you're somebody that loves people, you know, my mom was a love people. She just that lit her up in a room and and so I'm shyer than she was, but I love that part of the whole thing. So every year it just, um, it just kept happening, you know, it just, it didn't matter. It was like a new excitement because I have a new group to work with and how are they going to develop and, you know, who are going to be the people that kind of lead us and who are going to be the people you know, like I, I love seeing something like that you work on and practice happen in a game. Oh my God. That is like the best piece of anything. Um, you know, an outfielder throwing out, you know, a runner at home, um, or making that great, you know, over the shoulder catch or whatever it is. Um, notice it's all about outfield.
1: No, but <laughs> you love your outfield. You love your outfield, but you know, I don't
0: um, you. so I, uh, so anyways, that's kind of. Where and how I'm coming from with
1: that. Yes. So you do all these accolades. Of course, I wrote them down. You you have all of these great teams, these great moments. Is there, you know, one or two things that you know the best teams that were able to find, let's say, the most success in a season? Are there commonalities between those teams? What are what are the things that you see or you saw as a coach that those teams had? I
0: think you know sometimes. Um, you know, they say, you know, you try to work for a, a really good team culture, which is important. And you want everybody to respect one another and get along with one another. But I also think that sometimes some of the teams, they're not going to be perfect. It's like, you know, 25 sisters. You know, you can only imagine you're going to kind of argue. But you've got to have some people that are willing to to kind of hang themselves out there and, and put themselves out there and not be afraid to tell their teammates expectations. And I think, or, or, you know, you want to show them, but I think some of the better teams have had people on them that were kind of uh, a little tougher, you know, like they were tough on their team uh, with their expectations and their standards. You know, we don't do things like this here. We do it like this, and and so I think you know those teams have been successful. I think about some of the people that are on them, and and they, you know, they they um they would say some things. They weren't afraid to say what they had to say, and I think that mm-hmm. you have to build the culture to feel comfortable that you can say those things. And so I, I think a lot of times and. It, Females, you know, we have a harder time sometimes, you know, saying what we feel, um, but you have to trust. And if you build that trust, then I think you can. And so I think that being able to come out of your shell, come out of your comfort zone and say something that you really feel instead of keeping it inside and letting it fester and not, not do something about it. I think that's where you can get your teams to be the
1: best. Yeah. That accountability piece is underlooked. Mm -hmm. I think a lot and, you know, having players and even coaches, leaders on the team, being able to say things that the team needs to hear instead of what they want to hear. Yeah. I could definitely see that being a huge, a huge reason why your team finds success. I think you probably understand why we had to split this conversation into two. We covered so many bases about how to be a great coach and develop your craft Next week, we are going to continue this conversation and dive into outfield and a little bit of that base running piece. She loved working with the outfield at UNC, and Christina said she is a huge reason why she was able to be a Rawlings Gold Glove winner. That's saying a lot. You could say her outfields were making tons of SC top 10 plays and was one of the most aggressive base running teams in the nation because of Coach P, and she put a lot of focus into these two important areas that we'll talk about next week. Audis don't always get all the love, and she's dropping a ton of tips for coaches on how to effectively work on reads, angles, and throws, so you definitely don't want to miss that one. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you know as soon as that episode drops. If you are enjoying When the Cleats Come Off and you want to make sure you don't miss a beat, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you get a notification as soon as each episode drops. It's also a huge way to support the podcast. Another way you can support the podcast is by leaving a review on whatever platform you're listening. That's probably the easiest way you can promote the podcast and get the word out to more people, which is my goal as a podcaster. Don't forget to join the When the Cleats Come Off Facebook community. It's brand new, where you can share some of your favorite moments from each episode with a community eager to learn how they can be better for their athletes too. I even occasionally drop in questions on what you want to hear on the podcast, so you don't want to miss it. You can find that link in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of When the Cleats Come Off, and I'm excited to create more episodes like this one for you. The game is way more fun when we start embracing the good, the bad, and the ugly. So don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and keep smiling. I will see you next week.